Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up? It is Thursday, so that means it's time for another Lax Factor Lacrosse show. We're going to stop calling this the you know the weekend update and we're going to stop calling it the thursday preview and we're just going to do a show and talk about whatever the hell we want to moving forward here there's a lot of games that are being played on mondays through wednesdays so we can talk about those now which is what we're going to do today and then there's the games that we want to talk about that are coming up so we're going to do all of that i'm going to dive first into dissecting Towson and Loyola. And I'm going to do it quickly and efficiently here. Towson beats Loyola, number one Loyola, uh, 12-10 at Towson. And Towson comes in seventh at th- in 3-0, and and Loyola comes in number one at 3-0. and So Towson improves to 4-0, and Loyola 3-1. and The usual suspects all factored for, for Loyola. We'll go through that first. Kevin Lindley, uh, six goals on the day. That's mostly because of how they chose to defend Pat Spencer, but we'll get into that. Pat Spencer, one and four on the day. So he had a good day, but they kept him out of the goal scoring column as much as possible. Chase Scanlon, semi bottled up a goal and two assists, and Olmstead, one and one. Jacob Stover had a good day in cage, not what Jacob Stover is, is used to having. He goes for 13 saves versus 12 goals against. So that's Loyola. What Loyola really needed was for Pat Spencer to go two and four, three and four, maybe even four and two and flip it a little bit. That didn't happen because. Because a Towson didn't give them a lot of possessions. Alex Woodall, Woodall, he wins twenty of twenty six faceoffs on the day, which is incredible. He, more importantly, he wins twelve of the final thirteen faceoffs of the day, which was incredible. And then goalkeeper Tyler Canto at nine to seven. Uh, Lindley had a one on one right on the doorstep that would have gotten Loyola back within a goal late, and Canto bit on Lindley's fake. And then somehow just sticks his stick up in the air from his butt and 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 robs Lindley of a goal that would have brought Loyola back to within one. He goes for 14 saves on the day versus 10 goals against, 58% save percentage, which is incredible. Uh, the usual suspects scoring-wise for Towson, Brendan Sunday, who's had an incredible season so far, four goals and an assist. Brody McLean, two goals and an assist, a late goal that was really big for, for Towson was scored by McLean. Tommy Monahan, two goals. Luke Fromer, two goals. So Towson got the scoring that they needed. They got a balanced scoring attack. Even Woodall, who trashed Loyola on faceoffs, he put up an assist on the day and got a couple of shots on, on dodges. The key to this game was the defensive effort. Kobe Smith and company, Gray Bodden, Bowden, these guys played incredible team defense. The goal was to keep... Spencer from scoring boatloads of goals. They succeeded on that front. He goes for one goal, and even that goal was hard fought. He only had a small window out top where he put his defender on his shoulder and was able to get his hands free to let that rip. They played incredible team defense. They created incredible on-ball defense. They, they, Everybody that they had guarding Spencer throughout the day, and I think Smith was, was the main guy, they on ball, they did not let Spencer beat them. Spencer was not able to dodge into space like he normally is and make things happen. He made things happen as, as teams were just as Townsend was being extra careful 
in trying to cover him and making sure he didn't get those shots off. And that, I think, is why you see Lindley end up going for six off ball. It wasn't bad off ball play. What it ends up being is just they're concentrating so much on Spencer. You know, guys like Lindley that are that are sneaky little dudes, they're going to be able to get free a little bit more effectively in these games where all the focus is going to stop that Twarton candidate. Uh, I think they did a good job overall of limiting Scanlon, who is another key there. If you you can you can never contain fully a guy like Spencer, but you can start to try to contain the the other guys that are putting up these hat tricks like Lindley, like Scanlon. So I think that probably played a little bit into their game plan as well. Scanlon dodges a little bit more often than a guy like Lindley has so far, and and that that was probably part of their strategy. But the defensive effort that Towson put up was next level. We now have a blueprint for how to try to guard Towson, it's not going to necessarily work because now Towson has a blueprint for, okay, here, if, if this is what a team's going to do to take uh, Spencer away and they do it effectively, then this is what we're going to do to try to offset that. So there's going to be uh, this, there's going to be positives to take away from this for Loyola, and there's going to be positives to, to glean from this from every other team that's about to play Loyola. But I don't see another team matching up as well with Loyola as Towson did. Between the face-off battle being won by Towson, between the goalie battle being won by Towson, and then just the the overall team defense, they, they played incredible. Uh, a Towson's as good as advertised. They they now have proven they've got wins against big teams. They smoked Hopkins earlier in the season, and now they come in and they they beat. Um, Loyola in a game that they to a degree controlled Loyola kept battling back and getting back in it but because of the face-off play of Woodall in the end they controlled this game even though the score would indicate that it was it was tight because it was tight but at no point when I watched this did I start feeling good for the momentum that Loyola had created you know once they got back to within 6-5 halftime it was like ah all right this could go either way from here but it was very apparent at the beginning of the half that all right this is going to end up going Towson's way just because as as you keep winning these little battles as a coach and you start looking at these things, it's like, hey, we keep winning faceoffs. That's a great sign. Hey, we keep bottling up the nation's best player to the point that he can't even get looks off of his dodges. That's a good thing. So in the end, Towson played one of the best games defensively that I think we're going to see a team play all year. Hats off to them. Hats off to that game plan. And hats off to the players for executing it flawlessly. And Loyola is going to be fine. They're going to battle back and they're going to figure this out. But great game. Exciting to watch. And let me just say, too. LSN, they did an incredible job of covering this game. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people bitching and moaning about the coverage that some of these games get. Now, LSN hasn't been mentioned. They do a great job of every game they cover. But the Big Ten Network has had some games covered by the college student teams. And ACC Network has been similar pretty much every weekend. There's going to be games covered by college kids. Stop bitching and moaning about the, the job that these college kids are doing covering these games. You're lucky to even be able to see these. If, if it bothers you that bad to have a young announcer that doesn't know what they're talking about, announcing a game that you otherwise wouldn't be able to see, shut up and turn the volume down or just don't watch it. Complaining about this shit doesn't do anything for the sport of lacrosse. We should all just be thankful that we have these games to even watch. So, But moral of this story, LSN did a great job. It was a great telecast all the way through. The announcers did a great job. The camera crews did a great job. And I look forward to watching more of the games that they put up for free uh, between the weekdays and the weekends. So hats off to them and their crew. Great game. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, there's highlights on YouTube you can also see. But I believe the LSN is going to continue to stream this game. And you'll be able to go to their website and check it out.
another game that was worth watching this week was Hofstra hosting Stony Brook, another Long Island, you know, rivalry battle here, just like the the Baltimore battle of Loyola and Towson. We've got Hofstra and Stony Brook doing battle. Uh, both teams come in with decent records. Hofstra came in at two and one, Stony Brook at uh, one and one. And the, the story of the day was Hofstra kind of came out hot early. And then Stony Brook kind of ends up coming back and taking the lead and controlling the game late. Stony Brook has a 10-7 lead late in the game. And then Witt Stopak decided to mess around and score the next three goals of the game back to back to back to actually end up tying it at 10s. And at this point, I'm watching the game. I'm like, holy crap. You know, Hoster is going to come back, take this momentum and and win this game. And then I, it was less than a minute later. And uh, Han scores another goal. I believe it was Han that scored the game winner, and he scores another goal a minute later to to give Stony Brook the 11-10 lead, and that's all she wrote. Uh, Hofstra did get a couple of looks late, and uh, they got a shot off with about three or four seconds left that went wide, and that was the ball game. No no other looks after that, but hard-fought game by both teams. I've been kind of looking at both of these teams wondering where do they really stand, and it's still hard to tell, but they're you know, both of these teams are capable of beating anybody on any given day. Uh, Witt Stopak goes for four goals on the day for Hofstra, Ryan Kennard goes for two goals and Tierney, Ryan Tierney for Hofstra. He's one of their big cats. He only goes for one and one. So he was bottled up and quieted down in this one. And that that's the, the, you try to take away a team's best player and, and Tierney is one of Hofstra's best players, certainly offensively. So Stony Brook was success, was successful in limiting him. And that was key to their victory. And then from Stony Brook side, uh, Hahn goes for five goals. So he was just a monster on the day. Hofstra had no answer for him. And uh, Patrick Cash, I'm not even going to pronounce it. A dude named Patrick, number 91 for Stony Brook. He goes for two goals, and Tom Dugan goes for two goals as well. And uh, goalkeeping, mediocre. I'd say Ballinger for Stony Brook. He wins the battle in the end because he comes up with nine saves off 10 goals against. And Casey for Hofstra, eight saves on 11 goals against. So mediocre play overall, but it was a decent telecast. Um, put up. So that was number one. This is another one of those small market games that, you you know, when I was getting ready to watch it, I wasn't sure if it was going to have highlights. It did. So the team that did the telecast, they did a great job uh, once again. And, and I, you're going to see me doing this more praising uh, good telecasts or okay telecasts simply because I'm sick of listening to people bitch and moan about the telecasts. But uh, in the end, great game. Uh, you can probably hit up either of these teams' websites and go back and watch the full game if you wanted to, and we've played some highlights here. So hats off to Stony Brook. They now sit at 2-1. and one. They win this Long Island battle, and uh, both teams moving forward will see how they do long term. Another excellent game that you may have missed was Hartford and Marist. Marist went on the road to play Hartford. Marist or Hartford came in at 0-2, Marist at 1-1. And, and Hartford controlled early at home, and they controlled the game often. It wasn't until late in the game that Marist finally came back and they, they got their final lead of the game. Uh, Marist ends up winning the battle 14-13. Ty Thompson, he's a guy to watch for Hartford. The kid's incredible. He goes for three goals and four assists on the day, so he was impossible to stop. Hunter Krause for Hartford is good for 3-1, and one, and Dylan Jinks goes 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Owen uh, Trepetta, he's 2-1. and one. So Hartford had very balanced scoring throughout. And we got another tyranny for Marist. Joe Tyranny for Marist. He's three and one. Jake Weinman for Marist goes three and zero. Oh. Michael Smith two and zero. Oh. Hunter Embury one and two. Jojo Pareko one and two. It was a very uh, balanced attack, pretty much for both teams. The 
one thing that was not strong in this game from either team was goalkeeping. Uh, both goalkeepers saved the ball at less than a 40% clip. We had seven saves for Hartford and and uh, eight saves for Maris. So goalkeeping was not a strong suit, but I, I watched this game from start to finish. Telecast just had camera work, no replays or anything like that, but it was very interesting. It was a very close game. Every time Hartford would get a two, three goal lead, Marist would chip back in it and stay within one. And that ended up being the key was Marist always had an answer for every run that Hartford put together. And then in the end, when they were down by a goal, they were able to string those two goals together to, to get them that victory in the end. So another great game and uh, both of these teams worth watching, albeit, you know, so now we get into the calendar games to watch this weekend, games that I'm going to watch and probably want to talk about as they happen. Uh, Richmond hosting Duke. This wasn't on my radar earlier in the year outside of wondering if maybe Richmond was going to be that team to give Duke that early season loss. Now, after they play Maryland tough, they're sitting at three and one. They got a win, 9-8 win over Notre Dame last weekend. Richmond is a team to watch, and Duke is always a team that's susceptible to losing games you know, in February and early March. So this one has a whole different level of meaning now, and I like the Spiders' chances, although, once again, Duke is kind of the wounded dog. A lot of these, te- these bigger teams that have lost and been upset a little bit, they're going to play. I hope that they're going to learn from that, or I assume they're going to learn from those early season losses, and, and if that's the case, that won't sit well for Richmond, but the Spiders are playing lacrosse, so this is now going to be a very interesting battle Friday night, 7 p.m. on the Watch ESPN app, so be sure to watch that game. Another big game that I'm interested in is North Carolina hosting Denver after playing in their terrible field last weekend, uh, the football stadium that was just god-awful. North Carolina is going to open their lacrosse and soccer only facility at 11 a.m. against Denver. And that game also streamed to the Watch ESPN app. This is going to be a good one because these are two very evenly matched teams. These are two teams that, based on their early season schedules, you're not sure where they stand in the larger scheme of things, but you know that they're going to do battle. So I like North Carolina at home opening the new facility, but Denver, I also like Denver to play the spoiler. So I'm not going to predict this one, but it's going to be a hell of a game. Be sure to tune into that. Um, Another one, Syracuse, Virginia. This has to be the game of the week. In my opinion, it's the game of the week because I'm a Syracuse fan, but uh, Syracuse hosting Virginia at the Dome very evenly matched teams. Virginia has the offensive nod. They can go eight deep offensively. Guys can kill you eight guys deep on that Virginia squad. Attack-wise, Virginia's superior. Midfield-wise, I give Virginia a slight nod to the Syracuse midfielders without Dordovic playing, um, and that's going to factor well for Virginia. Both teams have goalies that are playing hot right now, so that's going to factor, and I think that's going to kind of wash unless one of those goalies has a bad game. Syracuse is really good at making mediocre to great goalies look great all the time, though. Syracuse is terrible at shooting the ball the last few years, uh, so that might play into Virginia's favor. Where I like Syracuse's chances is on the defensive side of the ball. Despite how good Virginia's offense is, Syracuse's defensive midfield has played tough, and in the last two games, Syracuse's defense has showed up and played well. So I do like the matchups that Syracuse has on defense against the attackmen for Virginia, and I like Syracuse's chances of bottling up a little bit and quieting Virginia's defensive midfielders, but a lot of that's going to come down to Drake Porter. Can Porter make saves where defensive midfielders lose those battles to Dox Aitken and some of the other midfielders and Conrad? If he can, and he can come up with a couple of big you know, 
not necessarily doorstop saves, but time and you know saves on time and room shots that would normally be goals for Virginia. That's going to be key for Syracuse. So very evenly matched. I predict this ends up being within two goals. It can go either way, even though I hope Syracuse is the one to win it. Uh, we got to talk about High Point. High Point loses last week. Uh, they play a very game Robert Morris team this week. Uh, they're finally back at home, though, getting to play some teams at home. So High Point, I predict they're going to win this game. I like their chances in all, but uh, Asher Nolting, I predict, is going to have a big day. Watch him. He, he's going to go for six points in this one. Uh, Penn State uh, hosting Penn. They want to get back in the win column after dropping that game to Yale. I predict they're going to beat up Penn badly. I don't think that that would be the norm. I think Penn's a solid team, and they, they play excellent team lacrosse throughout, but I think Penn State is going to be angry after that loss to Yale. I think they're going to be confident also after only losing to Yale um, by a goal or two, so that's going to be huge. Loyola right back uh, playing Holy Cross uh, at home. They're going to beat Holy Cross up a bloody. That's going to happen. A couple of other interesting games here. Yale hosting UMass. That's going to definitely go Yale's way, I believe. Marquette hosting Ohio State will be interesting uh, for some. And then there was one other I wanted to see, Cornell hosting Albany. That is going to be a big game. Uh, we Albany finally gets in the win column, so they're they're sitting at one and one. But Cornell, after beating Hobart a little less handily than I think they would have wanted to, Cornell starts late, Albany starts late. So these teams are really on the same page, even though Albany's got a one contest uh, uh, edge in terms of just you know number of times on the field. So I I predict Cornell's going to beat Albany up honestly. But this is a rivalry game, upstate New York rivalry game, so that one will be interesting to watch. 3 p.m. I'm not sure where it's being telecast. Maybe the Ivy League Ivy League Network, uh, but you'll, you'll be able to find it somewhere if you're not a pansy ass. And then uh, Sunday, Sunday's only game, Notre Dame hosting Maryland. And Notre Dame, after dropping that one to Richmond, they're going to be hungry for a win. I don't think they're going to get it. Maryland is solid. Maryland's getting better uh, every week. Maryland bar- finally finished off a team last weekend where before they had been getting leads and then letting teams come back in. Maryland finally, you know, closed the door on somebody last week. So I feel like this may even be a breakout game for Maryland where even though they're undefeated, I feel like this might be that game where they bury a solid team, five or six goals. So hopefully for Notre Dame, that doesn't happen, but it could. And Maryland is a very dangerous team to be playing. Albeit Notre Dame could be as well after coming off that rough loss to Richmond. So uh, that's it. That's the Thursday show. We will be back Sunday. We will get Sunday's show up by noon. So be sure to check then. We didn't. We were really late this week getting it up because of the format. We're going to change the formats and try to make it easier for us to talk about more games and easier to get the video out by noon on Sunday morning. But uh, as always, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure hit to hit the notification bell so that you are notified when we put out new videos. We're approaching 3,000 subscribers, so I suspect we'll get there this weekend. I can't thank you all enough for helping us get to that plateau. And that's it. Enjoy your weekend of lacrosse. I know I'll enjoy mine. And uh, peace.